self-advocate a new podcast about being a self-advocate for people with disabilities especially cognitive disabilities I'm your host Allison Klein I'm currently doing a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies focusing on disabilities at Athabasca University an online university through Alberta the song at the top of the show that you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah, a mother-daughter duo from Ontario. The daughter, who is the singer, is on the autism spectrum, which is interesting because today we are also going to talk about autism. In this episode, I talk with the autistic advocate, Kieran Rose, who is all the way from England and his advocacy work. Go take a listen. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Alison. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. <laughs> so you are the autistic advocate in London, England. 
Not London. Not London. I'm, no, I am. I live. I am from near London, but I live in the north northeast of England, uh, near Newcastle now. Oh, what made you move to Newcastle? Uh, my wife. Um, she's born and bred from the northeast of England, so we we actually we met in Corfu in Greece, um, and had a long distance relationship for a long time. So uh, so and she loves it up here. And to be honest, I fell in love with the northeast of England because it's it's. Although it's cold, it's beautiful up here. So <laughs> there's a lot of friendly people. So it's a, it's a nicer place to live. I loved Corfu. Have you been there? I have. I have uh -huh. been to Corfu. I think it took me eight hours to fly to London and then another five hours to Corfu. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful island. Oh, yeah. And it's so warm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the food. I'd, I'd move there in a heartbeat and I love Greek food, so... Yeah. <laughs> so you're autistic. I am, yes. When were you diagnosed with autism? Oh, I was 23, which was 17 years ago. It's a long time ago. A lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing because I'm 21 now, so I've actually gone back in time. So <laughs> there's no way I'm 40. I'm just not believing that. So that's that's the pet. old people are 40, not me. <laughs> so what was it like to be diagnosed on the spectrum at an early age? Um. Well. It was kind of, I kind of fall through the gap of kind of, you know, there are so many late diagnosed people now. And although 23 was late diagnosis back then, um, there weren't many other autistic adults around. Um, I mean, we're talking 2003. So, you know, there wasn't much in the way of internet back then. It was all very early days for that. And um, so when I was diagnosed, I didn't really know what to do with my diagnosis. Um, I didn't really understand it. You know, any books that I read were all about children. Um, and it was all very, very, I mean, you think 20 years ago, nearly it was, it was all very different the way that we thought autism was talked about and looked at back then. Um, so I kind of parked my diagnosis for a very long time because although I had grown up and had all the same struggles that everybody else had kind of had, all the other autistic people had had and, and was really struggling with my mental health and all of those kind of things because I didn't have any access to any support. It didn't mean anything. It wasn't worth anything. So it wasn't actually until I was kind of in my early thirties that, and when my first child, when my first, my oldest son was born, um, he was born and, uh, I looked at him and realized in that moment that he was autistic. He stared at me for like three hours and didn't blink. <laughs> it was quite, it was quite, quite intense. Um, but I kind of intuitively knew we were like having a psychic conversation, if you know what I mean. And, um, and I knew then that if I couldn't, if I didn't understand myself, there was no way I'd ever be able to support him properly. So that's when I went out and really started kind of investigating what autism meant for me. And I stumbled across the autistic community online and, and it all just kind of went from there. And that was a real game changer for me in terms of understanding myself and, and figuring things out. So, so I kind of, I have this dual experience of being a late diagnosed person, but also having that whole length of time, although I was diagnosed a lot younger than most people are, I had that whole length of time without realizing what it actually meant for me and, and it not being useful for me. So it was a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. It, it's weird to be diagnosed later in life and not have that, that nice community 
Um, yeah, and not have access to all the information. That, that I think so many people take for granted how much positive information there is out there now and, and how accessible that can be. And back then there was nothing. It was like Temple Grandin was the only autistic adult in the world. you know. And I didn't identify with Temple Grandin. So at that point, it was like, I don't know what to do with myself. So, so yeah, so it's something that I kind of, it's why I encourage so many newly diagnosed people to kind of, you know, to go into Facebook groups and things, but actually not engage in the Facebook groups, just sit and read for a very long time um, and, and see what other people are saying and look at how the conversations are going and see what you relate with because it's so easy to walk in and, and trip over yourself and, and say something and it causes an argument and all those kind of things. So just to give, give yourself time because I never had the opportunity to do that and I needed and I knew that I now know that I needed it back then. So had I had the opportunity, things would have been a lot better for me early on. For a lot of people, I think, who are, are newly diagnosed, newly understanding what's going on with themselves, because of not being able to connect with others when you were first diagnosed on the spectrum, you've now since created those, those spaces for others who are also on the spectrum, especially in England, from what I've been seeing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I do, I kind of have two hats. Um, I have my online hat and I have my offline hat. Um, so in terms of online, um, I now, you know, uh, I'm involved in the running or am running lots of different kind of support groups and things. Um, there's one specifically for late diagnosed people. There's other more general ones. There's mixed ones for autistic people and non-autistic people, you know, to kind of mix and learn from each other and stuff. And so, I have those kind of things that I do, but offline as well. Um, it's autism. Autism has become my job, um, which is great because it's kind of, it, it's my special interest for one of a better phrase as well. So I get, I get to do my favorite thing every day. Um, so not only do I do kind of like public speaking and stuff, but I do training um, I do consultancy. I work with a lot of organized autism organizations that run care services and things like that for people that have complex needs and, and stuff as well so it's kind of every day I get to talk about autism and every day I hopefully influence people to think more positively about autistic people. Have you been able to influence others not in just England but other countries in Europe as well? Um, to a degree um, Possibly not. I mean, where I'm a writer as well, and I have my blog, and it's been read by an awful lot of people. So I know it's been read by people from all over the world. So there's there's that kind of influence. Um, but what I recognised very very early on was that there were lots of autistic people in lots of different countries that were, you know, um, fighting their own very very individual rights movement. Um, and I saw an opportunity to bring people together. So I created what's called the Autistic Cooperative, um, which is effectively, at its heart, it's a Facebook group. But ultimately, it's more than that because it is a place where autistic professionals who um, advocate either on a professional or semi-professional kind of level um, can come together and network and you know look at look at what people are doing in different countries and seeing what's working and what isn't look what people have done previously so they're not having to beat the same paths and and that kind of thing so it's it's a it's a, it's been running for 3 years now and um we've got about 700 members we've got over 100 different 
autism advocacy organizations in there as well that are represented in there like ASAN and in the US and 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 lots of different ones from different countries as well and it, it's it's such a positive place where you know people come and they see thing like awful adverts that are online and things like that where they just come and dump them in there and, and ask people to go and comment and stuff you know there's that level but there is a much higher level there's so many different um the, i don't know if you've heard of the take the mask off campaign um i ran that a, f a couple of years ago and the whole idea of that came out of several members of that group and it was basically around autistic masking and this whole six-week project that came out of it that works online and it had a reach of like five million people um so so much different kind of impactful things have have come out of the creation of this kind of group so you know i can't take responsibility for the impact of that but i can take responsibility for the idea of putting it together so that people can learn from each other so so yeah so that's uh that's i am not bothered about getting my name on things or people knowing who i am and you know that's why i kind of created the autistic advocate because Kieran Rose is really boring and doesn't like attention. <laughs> so it's a bit, it's a, it's a little bit of a mask in a way, you know, it's a little bit of, it's, it's a, it's a barrier between me and, and public me. Um, but I don't want any, I don't like praise and gratitude and all of those kind of things. It makes me really, really uncomfortable. So, you know, so I just want people to positively accept us and I want change and I don't care if people know that I'm involved in that or not. I just want it to happen. So, you know, that's the kind of, that's where I kind of come from. It sounds very much like a self-advocate work, advocating for oneself, advocating for your own disability, advocating for better disabilities or to better have more equal footing for people with disabilities, especially yeah. people on the spectrum or autistics. Mm -hmm. And we were talking earlier about how, like there's the NHS, the National Health Service yeah. in, in England. Have you been able to positively change the national level or the government in England? Um, I've been involved in several different things and I'm working with an autism support organization, a charity now, um, which is based in the northeast of England, but works nationally. And um, we're... Um, it's difficult here because we have we have a national charity here the national autistic society which you probably heard of um and they're like the big charity here and they've been running since the 60s and it's difficult because they are they do lots of good work and they have lots of really really good volunteers that run support groups and things on the ground kind of level but as you go up the organization it becomes more political um and they sit on lots of government bodies and things and a bit like autism speaks but without the kind of the really really negative stuff um but there are very much a lot of what they do is very much a barrier to actually what we need in order to be able to succeed in what we want um because you know it's like any big charity it gets to the point where it kind of loses its aim of wanting change and actually becomes focused on sustaining itself um, so therefore it makes questionable decisions about you know it's it's the charity's more important than the people it's supposed to be helping um and that's they're they're kind of a barrier to that so it's kind of i took the decision very very early on that i wouldn't do any i wouldn't work on their platform i wouldn't take any money from them i wouldn't do anything that involved working with them um so unfortunately i'm a person that stands out the outside and kind of shouts very loudly <laughs> um, but it's getting to the point now where other organizations in the uk are coming to the fore that are kind of 
very loudly challenging them. Um, and I'm very lucky to be part of several organizations and working with several non-autistic led charities that are recognizing the flaws and the issues with the National Autistic Society. So, um, and they are involved on a government level and they are, you know, they're able to get a little bit of a foothold in there as well. So, so it's, it's, it's a hard one because it, it's kind of, some people make the choice who, you know, I've got, I've got friends that, and colleagues that work with the National Autistic Society and kind of try to take the flaws and put them to one side and change from within. But my moral compass is too points north too hard you know i can't i can't morally compromise myself like that so i kind of i've i've resigned myself to creating my own platform if that makes sense and trying yeah. to bring as many people as possible on that platform with me yeah so there's a lot of similarities between what you do and the grassroots yeah biotistics for autistics and seeing out here biotistics for autistics I think it's I think it's hard because it's kind of I mean as far as I know ASAN in the US are the only real autistic led organization that have become a, a national kind of body um, um and obviously they work on a very political level rather than uh, than a, I know they do do grassroots stuff but they've done less over the years as they've become engaged more kind of politically and I'm a very I'm a great believer that you know you get lots of autistic people in the room and it's like herding cats, <laughs> you know, everyone's got their own ideas and their opinions and very, you know, and want to do things in certain ways. And, and that's great. And that's absolutely fine. But what that does is creates an issue when it, it, when you're thinking about creating a kind of national organization that represents everybody. Um, so I'm a great believer that what we need in the UK, well, it might not work in other countries, but what we need here is lots of small autistic-led organisations coming together and coming apart as they need to, um, to create a kind of national network rather than one big body. Um, and I think it would work perfectly here because maybe because we are a small, much smaller country with less population and things, and you know we have more freedom within that. Um, because I don't think one body can represent all autistic people. There's only so much representation you can have on a board. There's only so much reputation you can have working through an organization. And I think that would, the network that I envisage gives us the freedom to do the things that we want to do individually, but come together when it comes to kind of national questions and things like that. I've seen other organizations trying to represent the autism community as well. Some of them are, are funded. Some of them are not funded. It's, mm -hmm. it's difficult to figure out or defined that that balance. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you said that you're married and you have kids. I've got three, yes. Does your disability ever affect the relationship between your children and you or your your wife and you? Um yeah, the I mean the dynamic my wife and I have been together well uh, over 20, nearly 20 years. No, is it 20 years? It's 20 years. It's 20 years this year. God, that's scary. Um, we haven't been married that long, but we've been together that long. Um, and so my wife knew me before I was diagnosed. So we've kind of come on my journey together and she's realized in later years, something that I've known for quite some time is she's neurodivergent herself. You know, she's not diagnosed with anything, but you know, it's, it's very obvious. <laughs> and, um, um, I wouldn't like to pin a label on her, but, but I, yeah, she's neurodivergent at the very least. And um, I also have, I've got two children that are diagnosed autistic, one that isn't, 
and he's autistic, but would probably never get a diagnosis, if that makes sense, you know, because of the, the, the diagnostic criteria and how narrow and kind of restrictive it is. So we all have a, like any family, we all have our own needs. And, but the sensory side of things is really where it, things come to the fore because it, it's, that's where clashes quite often happen. Um, because, you know, I, certain noises I can't handle. I struggle with babies screaming. That's one of one of real thing and that kind of pitch and that kind of noise. Now I have a seven year old daughter who still likes to scream. <laughs> so, so it's really hard for me not to be triggered um, by that. And, you know, so, so if she, she gets frustrated, then she gets, she's, she's, she's really, she's a really, really anxious little girl. So it happens a lot. You know, she melts down quite a lot because of that. And um, so she melts down, she screams, and then obviously that's like someone taking two knives and stabbing them in the side of my head. <laughs> so, so there's issues like that. And then my eldest son, who's the other diagnosed one, um, he and her are very, very, very similar, but they trigger each other quite a lot as well. So it's like that dynamic is, it's, if you were a not autistic, non-autistic person and you came into our household, at times it would look like, oh my God, somebody needs to phone social services in this house, but it's our normal, you know, and, and, and it works. It all, we all have our fluidity between, like, between that and we all kind of, yeah, it breaks down often, but what family doesn't have breakdowns between siblings and things? And, you know, so it's, it's our normal is rather glorious, to be perfectly honest. I, I enjoy it. It's a... Yeah. It's, I love my family and I love living with my family and we're all, we're never far apart. You know, that's the other thing as well. You know, we exist in the same spaces within our house. We're lucky enough to have a four bedroom house and there's five of us. Um, so we all have our own space, but we all tend to be in the same space together. Um, which is quite our, and we have two cats as well. We have two Maine Coon cats as well, you know, so they're like, quite like dogs. So quite often it's like the, I'll be like the Pied Piper. I'll be walking through the house and there'll be three children, my wife and two cats following me. <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre, but, but you know, that it's really kind of, um, beautiful. Yeah. And also, you know, what I said before about if somebody that was not autistic would walk into that and would think, Oh my God, what is happening here? And it's a really, really good example of how autistic relationships are very, very different to non-autistic relationships and how autistic families are very, and neurodivergent families are very, very different to non-neurodivergent families, you know? And it's kind of, and it comes to that question of what's normal at the end of the day. It's like, whatever's normal is your normal, isn't it? And it's, that's, but no, but I love having kids at times. <laughs> I'd like a day off every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that your work as a self-advocate helps your kids? Yeah. Um because the more I've kind of like when I said that when I first stumbled across the autistic community, um I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. And by that point, I'd probably read pretty much every book that had ever been published on autism. Um, and then I came across the autistic community and realized that all of that was mostly a load of rubbish. Um, so learning so much about myself through other people's experiences and relatable experiences and those kind of things and, and understanding that terminology and living and breathing autism every day for now, the last 10 years, really. Um, it's got me to the point where I can in, 
intuitive i can i can see what's going on with my children before it kind of happens um doesn't always mean you know if it's a negative thing doesn't always mean i can prevent it or or you know they might not accept the help in the right way but i know my eldest son is secretly very very proud of me i know this because he's told my wife he wouldn't ever tell me but he tells my wife all the time and I some he draws he loves to draw and and he reads like all the time like he's, read, he's just read all the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books he's only ten um, but he's just he read he read all of them in the space of two days um, so he's very much like me because that's what I was like as a kid and it just makes me so proud when I walk into his room and quite often um, because he draws and stuff he he engages so well visually with things and he creates these just pictures and he draws these pictures of what he thinks autism looks like if it was a thing what it would look like and you know he does all these different I don't know it's just I'm rambling now but it's because I'm so proud of him and it's really hard to put into words but but yeah I think because he struggled at school and stuff like that as well and he struggled in very similar ways to the way that I struggled it's enabled me to kind of recognize that and say you know not only this is what I did when I was at school, which didn't work at all. So maybe you should do something completely different. Um, but it's enabled me to advocate for him to teachers and things as well. And I'm lucky in terms of the school that is at because they recognize the work that I do. They recognize my work professionally. So they kind of do what we tell them, <laughs> you know, to, and other parents don't have that privilege. And my daughter's, my daughter's um, an infant school. So it's kind of, um, it's for five to five to seven year olds and she'll go up to a junior school next year. Um, assuming that school goes back at all <laughs> in yeah. the, the current situation we're in. Um, but um, so my experience, our experience with her school is very, very different because they don't, they're not as positively engaged around that and they're not as supportive. So it, it's kind of, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, but you know, it, it's kind of, I think what I'm trying to say is that being an advocate myself has given me the opportunity to empower my children so that they can advocate for themselves strongly. It's given them an understanding of autism they wouldn't necessarily have got. And it's enabled me to have these conversations with them that they wouldn't necessarily have had if I wasn't doing the stuff that I was doing. Does that make sense? To end kind of on a kind of a, pensive note what would you like through all of your advocacy work and self-advocacy work what would you like the people what would you like to see happen in the future for people with on the spectrum or neurodivergent people i Oh God, how high is the sky? <laughs> Real, on a realistic kind of level, um, I would like to see the autistic community get to the point, and autistic people get to the point, children and adults, where they don't hate themselves, or they aren't made to hate themselves, if that makes sense. We take on... You know, we have this narrative around autism, which is really negative. It's really pathological um, and it's really harmful. And I just want that stopped. I want that to go. I want people to be accepted for who they are. I want people to be seen for the strengths and the positivity they can bring to the world, not their deficits or perceived deficits. Um, 
So if that was, if I could snap my fingers and make that happen, I would do that now. Um, because we carry so much trauma and so much of what hurts us is the trauma that we are given by other people, wittingly and unwittingly. Um, so I just want that to go away. That's all I want, really. That's, that's kind of, that would, that would be my aim in life. Yeah, that's a great, to be on the same level as everybody else. Mm-hmm. That, and to, to see a person as they are is a great a way to end this. And this, how do we find you? How do we find the? How do you find me? <laughs> you can put up a bat signal. Um, <laughs> no, I won't wear a mask or a cape. It's okay. Um, you can find me. Uh, my website is www.theautisticadvocate.com. Um, that's where all my blogs are. Some of them are very long, so you might need you might need some, might need a long time to read them. Um, and you can find me at Facebook at the Autistic Advocate, and I'm on Twitter at Kieran Rose Seven as well. So I never got my name on that one. Thank you so much, Kieran. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kieran, for talking with me. Go check him out. Go check the Autistic Advocate out on his Facebook and blog. To end the show, this song is Better Miracle from Kiprios, a local rapper in Vancouver, BC. Even though Kiprios doesn't have a disability, His song is about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle, which is true for people with disabilities. Keep fighting for a better tomorrow, everyone. Today, my window, the sun, Came through today. Was the day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to. Came through. Good looking out. I needed you today. Was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion. Came through. Good looking out. I needed you. Oh 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 oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay. Remember, back then I've come a long way. The dream may never ever be the same, but came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I know the road I'm on is not an easy way. Remember that I will define the path I take. The dream, yeah, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a little better. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little bit better
My life so full of regret for last time Memories Seek to forget, never were mine The hope The hope ain't enough, but it's alive And love Your love is the one to get me by My life It's never too late to get it right Memories Sit for my mind throughout the night The hope Helps me cope with my life And love Your love is the one to get me by Oh, oh, alright Is here for me to redefine yesterday say i'm the past i let it die in time i'll be doing fine getting by cause now it's the only moment mattering in life today different today only today yesterday never the same never the pain in time love and learn to burn into the night cause now it's the only moment mattering in life i feel it's in my fingers i know it's in my soul now don't need i don't need to need a cold just one 